Hi, this is Anna, and this is Check It at the Round Table, where we discuss movies, books, music, and stuff. Today we are discussing the entire series of Love by Chance 2. This series stars many famous actors from the BL series in Thailand, including Perth Tanapon. The reason that I really like this series, which literally is just finishing up airing up this week in Thailand, I got to watch it right after it came live on YouTube, but this series stars the character of A from Love by Chance, the original series, which if you haven't seen that series, A is like the most super cool character of pretty much any drama, not just BL. So there you go. But this series stars A, who is trying to deal with the fact that he and Pete have broken up after the Love by Chance series because things happened, occurred, issues happened. And Pete literally went abroad, overseas, completely gone. So he's trying to deal with that loss. Um, I think they were together for probably less than a year at this point. And um, Pete, he's the kind of person that it's like once he sets his mind that he's going to be with someone, it's like he's not going to change probably ever on that front. And so he's trying to deal with all that loss, which in the initial episodes of the series, he does not handle the best. He starts drinking. He starts doing caffeine. He starts, you know, getting irritable and having that act out with his friends and his cohorts and all that. And so he's just trying to deal with that and the loss and try to figure that out in this uncharted territory. Um, AP is also still in this next series. He was in the last one and I really didn't like him then. And I still do not like him in this series, but he did pull some rabbits out of his hat and prove that he could be a decent human being when he set his mind to it simply because, you know, he's Pete's roommate and he's trying to help Pete in this midst of this trouble. And he does a pretty good job, especially for a pond. The other thing is there is another friend of A's who comes up and helps him through this initial stage, probably through like the first three episodes who basically helps him realize that, you know, there are things worth living for. There are all things you need to do in this life. And it doesn't all end because, you know, Pete's gone. And I really liked how he did that. I liked how he came around and he he basically interacted with Pete or with A in a way that he could understand, in a way that he could viscerally get. And Pete's, I'm sorry, not A, a is not a very, um, he's not a deep person. He's very, things are as they are. It's surface with him. It's not like he has these deep motives or, you know, deep thoughts of that kind of nature. He's just, what you see is what you get. And he's dealing with that loss. And the thing I think really turns things around for him is there's this moment when he is literally like pretty much dead drunk. And he's very angry, very upset, causing a little trouble in the bar. And A Pond calls this friend to help him get a out of there and they haul a out of there they take him to the football field throw him in the coal and basically they aren't rude to him but again i'm not for physical force here but they throw a soccer ball at his knees for a couple times just to make him go you know a wake up you don't need to be this kind of person you need to get up you need to get going you need to move again and do what you do and that scene is very poignant because a is finally realizing that, you know, he doesn't want to go any lower than he has. And, you know, the one thing I think his ring brings up that is very good in this moment is he says, you know, this isn't what Pete would want for you. This isn't what, you know, the person who cares about you would want. Even if they're not here in your life, they wouldn't want you to be doing this. You know, they'd want the best for you. And this is not the best for you. So 
you need to up your game. You need to do what you need to do to get your head in the right spot. And really after that, A gently and gradually goes back to being the person he was. He starts volunteering at school. He starts posting on Facebook every day to send Pete a message just to let him know, you know, I'm still here. I'm not going anywhere and we're going to work this out somehow. And he also, I think there's this very interesting scene where he's back at home with his mom and she runs a little restaurant there in a, in a town in Thailand. And she, I'm guessing, knows what's happened because she comes out and she's, she's very gentle with Pete. She, or not Pete, she's very gentle with A. I'm sorry, I think A Pete. I don't know why. They just go together. You know, like peanut butter and jelly. I don't know. It just doesn't seem right to have them separate. But anyway, so anyway, she's very caring with A. And she's like, you know, she doesn't really say anything, but she's just there for him if, she, if he needs it. And he's wearing a t-shirt when he's at his house that says 365 days, 365 chances. And I really think that t-shirt is the epitome of A's character. It's like every single day, it's like A's like, how can I help? How can I make the world better? What can I do to, you know, make it a good place? Not just for me, not just for Pete, but for everybody in general. And, you know, that's what his strength is, is he is the kind of person that can empathize with people that can sit there and you know the thing i really liked about him in the initial series is he and pete did become a couple but before that the way that he just cared about people like he didn't know pete from adam when he met pete but he was like well i hit you on the bike so i'm going to take you to the infirmary i'm going to make sure you're okay and here's my number if something happens from this please call me and I will try to do what I can to make it okay. When he finds out that Pete's being bullied at school because of his sexual orientation, he's like, that shouldn't be a component at all to how people treat you. You're just you. That's not something we need to be using as a tool to hurt you in any way. And I really like how he really just, he cares without reservation. And, you know, that's not something you see in people as a general rule. And that's why I think his character is so interesting to watch, both in the Love by Chance series and the Love by Chance 2 series, is the level of care with his character is very unusual in any kind of drama. And, you know, I don't know if this is because it's a film from Thailand, and maybe they consider that of a more valuable characteristic than other cultures do. I, I really don't know. I haven't watched a ton of Thai drama, so I, I really can't say. I do have to say I... Most of the Thai drama I've watched, they do seem to be more considerate of others than in other drama shows I've watched. And I don't know why that is. Again, I'm thinking, you know, if that's the way Thailand is, might want to go visit and just stay. I mean, no offense. I'm like, that is a cool trait to have as a, as a country, as a consideration. But anyway, so A is dealing with his loss. He's trying to get back to life as somewhat normal so that he can be who he needs to be. But of course, it's not going to be normal because Pete's out of there. And that's kind of the entire world for A, to be quite honest. And not that he's like totally absorbed, but it's like that is his basically, that's his safe place and that safe place is gone. So he's trying to deal with that. Then we have Tin and Can. And Tin and Can are basically the primary storyline of this whole series right now. And they got a little bit of airtime in the original Love by Chance series, which again, I have speed watched that. I have not sat down and watched the whole thing in total, but I do really like that show. 
Um, I do have to say, if you're used to the timeline for Tin and Can Story in that one, that's going to be blown to smithereens by Love by Chance too, because they did not stay with that timeline at all. I do not know why, but they didn't. So, anyway, the Tin and Can. Tin is a college student who is from a very prestigious family. He would be what we would call, if you were in Thailand, uh, basically, in a, in a not wise way, it's an Akun Chai, but basically the spoiled child of a rich family who was raised by the nanny. And that really just kind of can, or tin, not can. So tin is not a very nice person, although I do have to say as the story progresses, you really do understand why he's the way he is. Um, his brother basically defamed his name and made it look like he was into drugs and all sorts of really terrible things in high school. And Tim is only 19 in this. So he's just really coming out from all that junk that he had to deal with, which wasn't even true. And his family believed it. And so now he can't really move forward with relationships. Now he can't really move forward with his family because they think he's the problem child. And Tin has many problems. He may indeed be a problem child, but the reason he is is because he really has no filter left because everything that he trusted in in his family was blown to smithereens. His brother, who was his um, half-brother, basically turncoated on him, and he thought he could depend on him forever, and he turned out to be not dependable. Tool is the brother of Tin, and Tool is a very difficult, somewhat complicated character. Although really, when it comes down to brass tacks, the main problem is, is that Tool was in love with his um, family servant, the son of the nanny, whose name was Gonhin. Um, Tool kept trying to fight the fact that he left Gonhin and ended up um, with a woman who he had a kid with. And he decided to marry her just because it would be more socially acceptable if the child was born in marriage than not, which led Gonhin to leave and go to England about probably, I'd say, five to eight years, depending on how old Tool's son is, whose name is Poon. And Poon means the love I gave away to someone, which that is because he named his son that because of Ganhin, because he gave his love away to Ganhin, but then that didn't work out because Tool really botched that job up. So anyway, so Tool is angry because he's in a marriage that he didn't want to be in in the first place, and he does not have Ganhin. Ganhin. And Ganhin was a really cool individual. I'm really not quite sure what Tool was thinking there, but I think really he just wanted to have the cookie cutter family be socially acceptable more. And so he forfeited what he knew he should do for what he thought he should do. And that really is why I think Tool is such a hateful, really quite despicable character in the early episodes of the series. And I have to say he really doesn't improve until like the second to the last episode, like episode 12. He starts to get better, but only because he really hits rock bottom. Um, Tool ends up getting a divorce from his wife, who found a person to be with in the French Riviera, I'm guessing, or somewhere in France. And she took the plane and left, and Fuin is with Tool. And Tool is really at rock bottom. He's like, my marriage didn't work out. Um, I know I can't ever be with Ganhin, and I've got my kid that I have to live here for and make sure I raise him up so he's an okay person. And he's really at rock bottom. He's not eating well. He's not sleeping well. He's just kind of zombie-like. And he's not a very likable character. So again, he doesn't have any friends really to rely on. But as the story progresses, um, 
as tools at that rock bottom in like episode 12, Tin, who has been dealing with all that his brother Tool did to him for like the past few years, has decided to go to England. He went to England. He got on him. He brought him back. And you know, the one thing I think does make episode 12 and 13 extremely interesting with Tool, Gonhin, and that whole thing is Gonhin just cares. It doesn't matter to Gonhin that Tool totally messed everything up. It doesn't matter to Gonhin that it took Tool 20 years to admit that he liked Gonhin. All that matters to Gonhin is that he's there. All that matters to Gonhin is that he promised that he would be there if Tool was ever without anyone there. He would still be there. And that is just Gonhin. And that is what I think makes Gonhin a very interesting character in the same way kind of that A is an interesting character, although A would never end up with someone like Tool. So we're just going to put the big caveat there. But Gonhin has an ability to look at people as if no time has passed, as if things, you know, that occurred that could have been just gut-wrenching for Gonhin to have gone through. I mean, knowing that the person you like and care about has decided to have a kid with someone else and marry them and leave you just standing there, that is not something that you can just say, oh, shucks, that was a bad choice of words or bad decisions, you know? That's just not something that is easily gotten over. But Gonhin has the ability to look at the situation and go, you know, this happened. It doesn't mean that I don't care about this person. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to be with this person. It just means this happened. And how can I help this person so that, you know, they're their better self? And really after Gonhin comes back into Tool's life, a major shift occurs in Tool. I mean, he is no longer the angry, frustrated person that he was, mainly because I just think he's less frustrated. But, you know, um, things are finally working out for him. He knows that, you know, Gonhin's going to stay and be a part of his life, and he's finally okay with that situation. So that's kind of how Tool and Gonhin work out. But then we're going to go back to Tin and Can. So Tin and Can meet at school. They have these rather uncomfortable, angry little bouts with each other over everything from the way Tin drives to, you know, Tin calling Can Cantaloupe because that's his nickname his mother gave him. So basically they go through this big rigor of da 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 And then finally they meet up at a mall one day because Can is taking his sister shopping. And they meet up and Can says he's out with his girlfriend. And Tin's like, really? You have a girlfriend, Ken? This is interesting. And so then Lemon, Tin's, or Can's sister, comes up and says, no, I'm not his girlfriend. I'm his sister. And my brother doesn't have a girlfriend. What kind of girl would want to be with my brother? And she's just looking. And, and you know, Lemon is one of those characters that you really don't like, but there's some parts of her that are absolutely hilarious. And this is one of those parts. So Can is sitting there dying because he's like, I really don't want to talk to Tin. I really don't even want him to be here. Why is he here? And why does he keep messing around with me? And so Tin takes them both out to dinner. And during the dinner, um, Can steps out for something. And I can't remember what at this point in time, because this was a few episodes ago. And Lemon says, basically, Tin, I want you to look after my brother, because my brother Can, he's, he's good hearted, but he is very naive. And he takes everyone at face value, which a lot of people think is he's disabled that way, but he's just, that's can. He really does take things at face value. If you tell him something, he's going to believe it's true. And so Tin is listening to Lemon and he says, you know, I'll, I'll do what I can. And 
The thing that I think is really interesting with the juxtaposition of tin and can in this series is tin without the damage that he had from his brother was a lot like can initially. He was very trusting of the people around him. He believed what they said was true. And I think that's one reason he really does like can so much is because he reminds him of how things used to be in his life. Again, it doesn't mean that, you know, they're exactly similar or anything like that. It simply means that they have that similarity. They have that commonality of wanting to believe people at face value, wanting to believe that they're being honest. And that's a very good thing to value. It's a very good thing to honor. But a lot of times, you know, people aren't at face value, which is kind of a problem. But anyway, so Tim and Can, their relationships develops a little bit. The funny scene right after this episode is Tin kisses Can on the way into his house, which totally freaks out Can. And then the next morning, Ken is getting ready to go to school and Ken is always running late. So he's got his sneakers, he's tiny sneakers, he's running out of the house. He's got a dinner roll in between his mouth because he didn't get breakfast. And he suddenly stops dead in his tracks and he drops his dinner roll on the street. And Ken is there with his car waiting to pick him up. And I'm sorry, Tin is there waiting to pick Ken up. And so Tin and Can are sitting there looking at him and he's like, I came to pick you up. And so he takes Can to school. He drops him off. And Can isn't sure what to do with Tin. He doesn't know if Tin's joking with him. He doesn't know if he's being serious. And I don't think Can's ever been in a relationship before. So he's like, this is uncharted waters, even if he is being serious. So the story progresses. Things continue as they were. And then, you know, can completely kind of shuts down about the whole deal. He freezes up. He doesn't know how to deal with this relationship with Tim because Tim isn't joking with him. And so he's like, I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to, you know, be your boyfriend. I don't want to consider this relationship. And I don't want to do any of that. And so, you know, that's what he's left with. And then at the end of that, they break up and Tin is devastated. Tin goes to his apartment, which is in their house because it's a very nice house. And they each have like separate apartments in it, kind of complexes within a house. And he's just sitting there completely devastated because he's like, I really don't want anyone in my life but Can. And now Can won't be in my life. And so that probably means I just won't have anyone. And, you know, I don't get what I'm going. When you're 19, you really think everything is the end of it all. I mean, I don't get what it's not like you have that filter that you can sit there and go, you know, things change, things morph, you know, this may work out in time, this may not work out in time, but you know, that may be working out in time, as odd and as uncomfortable as that may be at points. But you know, Tin has no filter. Tin is just devastated because the one person that he really came to care about was Ken, and Ken has said he does not want to be with him in that relationship that way. And so, Tin is dealing with that. Ken is also dealing with it, but he's dealing with it on a much more I think in some ways more difficult level because he cannot verbalize how he feels. He's just like, the reason he does not want to be with Tin is because he sees what A is going through. He sees how A has been having trouble with drinking. He's been having trouble just getting through the day without Pete there. And he's like, I don't want to do that to Tin. I don't want to, you know, be the reason that he's not smiling, that he's not happy, that, you know, 
things aren't good in his life because for some reason we couldn't make this work. And that is the only reason that Ken does not want to be with him, which I think is a very noble reason if you're going to pick a reason not to be with someone because you don't want to mess up their life should it go wrong. I mean, it's not necessarily the best of reasons, but I'm sitting there going, you know, there are worse ones. <laughs> and so Ken and Ken are kind of separate. They're dealing with that. And then Ken and A have a conversation right before they're getting ready for a huge soccer game. And A comes and he goes, Ken, why are you not talking to Tin right now? What is going on? Because A gave him the advice that, you know, Ken, or Ken asked A what love is. And he says, well, for me, love is Pete. That is what love is to me. That is, you know, the epitome of it for me. But, you know, for everyone, it's different. And he said, you know, Ken, what in my advice did I give you that did not make you, you know, successful in your relationship with Tim? And he's like, you know, it's just complicated. And so then A steps out and he's talking on the field because Tim happens to come up because they're getting ready to practice for a game. And Ken has been working tirelessly for many, many days um, nonstop to be good for this game. And he's not even a primary player. And he's wearing himself out. No one can figure out why he's doing this. And can't, um, Tin comes up and is watching him basically practice. And A sits there and goes, you know, Ken is having trouble. Ken is having trouble because he doesn't know how to relate to you, Tin. Ken is having trouble because Ken doesn't know how to express what he feels. And so that is making him act in strange ways, which, you know, if he could verbalize it might be better, but he can't. He just knows he feels something, but he doesn't know how to deal with it. And I really like how A can be comfortable around totally different people, personalities, and have the courage to say things to people when a lot of us would just sit there and go, the two boys are going to have to work it out, or this couple's going to have to work it out. You know, that is something that I really think A also excels at. And this isn't meant to be praises to A, but you know, A is an awesome character, so we're just going to go with that. But anyway, so the football game happens, they lose terribly, and Can is sitting there literally bawling his eyes out in the locker room all by himself because the other um, members of the team have gone on. And Can is just absolutely terribly unhappy because he really worked hard and it didn't make a lick of difference. And their star player ended up getting hurt pretty bad too during the game. And he feels it's somewhat his fault because he couldn't, come off the bench and save the day. And so he's dealing with all that. Um, Tin happened to be watching the game. So he came down after the game to talk to Ken. And this scene, I think, really is the turning point of those two's relationship because Tin just sits there and listens to Ken for a little bit. He's like, Ken, I'm here. It's okay. And he basically just hugs him and lets him know it's all right. He doesn't have to worry about it. It's okay to be upset. It's okay to be troubled. And during that moment, Ken just basically completely loses it. He says, you know, I didn't want to not be with you because I didn't want to be with you. And I don't want you to disappear again like you've been gone for like the last week and a half. And so they kind of make up in this situation. And Ken finally has the ability. He's sitting there in the locker room. And this is kind of an interesting scene because it's a flashback to Pete and, um, Pete and A had a moment in a locker room as well where they basically had a turning point in their relationship. They decided to go steady and be okay with that. 
And that happened in the same locker room in the same spot, which is kind of interesting. If you've seen Love by Chance 1, you will have recognized in Love by Chance 2 with Tin and Ken in the same area talking about their relationship. And Ken's like, you know, I'm upset when I see you with other girls who are trying to flirt with you. I'm upset when, you know, you're not around. And I do like your company. And I do like you. And Ken kind of does this in this stagger way. He's He doesn't have all his thoughts come at once. He has to sit and think about it. And I like how Tin just listens to it. And he's like, okay, that's good. And then, you know, they can basically deal with all that fact in the moment right there. So Ken then takes, um, Tin then takes Ken to go eat some dinner because Ken is always hungry. And so He's taking Ken to dinner. He gets him some food. Ken really doesn't want to eat. Then he says, you know what? I'm going to take you home. You can go be with your mom and with Lemon and be at peace. And he's like, I don't want to go home. Lemon's going to make fun of me because I lost the game. Can I spend the night with you? And he's like, um, okay. And then basically they go on this little diatribe, which is going to keep pretty G-rated. And again, this show is not for kids because it does have some more, um, it's not adult content, but it's just not appropriate for children. So anyway, and basically Ken wants to go study with um, Tin and Tin's like, you know, why do you want to go study with me? Do you want to go study with me just because you're looking for a way to deal with the issues that you've lost the game? Or is it something more than that? Because if it's not something more then you just want to forget that you lost the game, we're not going to study for that reason. We're not going to start a relationship that would be more than dating for no better reason than you're having issues tonight and you're feeling bad. And I really do like how Tin's like, you know, that's not what we're doing. That's not the way we're playing this game. And so anyway, he does take Cam back to his apartment. They do have um, a time together. And then, you know, at the end of the day, um, Cam wakes up the next morning, Tim's there, and he's like, I'm going to go make you breakfast. And they basically just have this back and forth little banter throughout the morning. And it basically ends when Cam comes out to see um, Tim and he's sitting on the sofa and he says, um, why are you calling me your your boyfriend, your lover? Da, 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 da. And he says, because that's what you are to me. And he says, I can call you any of those things. He's like, will you be my boyfriend, Ken? And he's like, you know, I'm sorry that I said that like three weeks ago. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't be your boyfriend. And I think at this point, you really see Ken maturing in a way that he didn't before because he sits there and he goes, darn, I made some bad decisions back there. And he's like, the thing I like about Tin is he's like, okay, that was then. What about now? How do you feel about things now? And this scene is one of my favorite between the two of them because Ken looks at me and goes, well, will you be my boyfriend, my spoiled prince? And you're going, this is so Tin and Ken. And Ken just sit, and Tin just sits there and goes, sure, okay, cantaloupe. And that's kind of how their relationship is. And I do like that dynamic of they're both just pretty comfortable with one another. And they're not sitting there making fun of one another, but they can also laugh at their own idiosyncrasies. And I'm probably mispronouncing that word. So the story progresses. They're a couple now. I really like how Ken is so not like most couples I have seen that would be like um, guy couples because a lot of them seem to be rather uncomfortable going into public. They seem to be having their doubts. And, you know, I grew up in the U.S. and the Midwest, and that was a place where if you were a guy couple, it would be a place to have doubts. It would be a place where, you know, things could happen that wouldn't be good simply because the climate is not very good there for certain aspects of things. 
I mean, you know, I love how Ken is just like, Ken's my boyfriend. We're going to go out to eat. We're going to go, you know, he's going to pick me up. I'm going to be comfortable with this. And this is just what I really like about Ken. I mean, he's just who he is. He's not sitting there going, you know, what do people think of X? What do people think of Y? He's just, he doesn't really have that filter. He's just more like, I am da da da, da. I am da da da. He's not really thinking, you know, what will other people think? Now, he does really worry about his sister Lemon originally in this episode that follows when they, um, when he goes back home because he doesn't want his sister when he goes home, his sister's making a lot of bad comments about how she thinks Tin should be with someone who's handsome or clever or smart. And she has no idea that he and Tin are a couple at this point. And his mother also makes comments, which makes Can feel quite dreadful. And I really don't understand how some people can be such idiots sometimes, like Tin's Can and um, Can's sister and mother can just be absolute idiots. And I mean, I'm not blaming them for that. I'm just saying, there's certain things you never say in front of people, whether they're a couple with someone or not. And one of them is you can't imagine why they'd be with that person. And so Ken is feeling really bad about himself because Tin is smarter than him. Tin is from a better family. A lot of people think Tin looks better than him. And he doesn't know how to deal with that, with the fact that, you know, his mother, his sister think poorly about him in that way. And so with that, you know, he's dealing with all that issue. And this kind of comes to a head when he ends up going to the football field to pick up some comic books from a friend of his with Tin and his sister's there trying to figure out who Tin is with. And she's also with Shampoo, who is a bane of the this drama and the previous drama's existence. She's giving A sympathy cookies when she's really just looking for a way to date A, which is really annoying to some of us. Because I'm going, A would never go out with someone like Shampoo. And it's just because Shampoo is so um, unlikable. I mean, really, she does not have any redeeming qualities. But anyway, that's a minor digression. And um, so he's there with Tin and his sister's kind of being weird and he's trying to do it. And he just decides to kiss Tin full on the face in front of the entire football team 